Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. It's Henry Lopez with you here today and my special guest, Peter Mehit. Peter, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Uh, Our pleasure. And let me give you a bit of background on Peter and then I'll have him add to it. Uh, Peter is an entrepreneur, a speaker, and the owner of Custom Business Planning and Solutions, author of the book Killer Business Plan. We'll be diving into his perspectives and uh, inputs and advice on business planning. Uh, Prior to becoming his own boss, he had a successful career in information technology and business consulting for large companies. And we'll talk about that transition from the corporate world to owning his own business. Peter has worked across many industries worldwide as a professional consultant, He has also been intimately involved in the startup of four different companies, either as a member of the launch team or as an owner and team leader. He has held positions of trust from senior manager to vice president and has acquired a broad base of experience as a result, obviously, of all those different positions. At Custom Business Planning and Solutions at his company, they have written over 500 business plans that have been used to secure over $136 million in funding, from banks, investors, and other institutions. They take a workshop approach that challenges the entrepreneur so that the entrepreneur can successfully defend their idea while providing them with deep insights both into the business model and the potential funding approaches. So we're going to get into all of that with Peter. Peter, please add uh, whatever I've missed on your background and tell us about what's going on with you today. Well, that's pretty good. The only difference I would make is we're getting close to 600 plans and we've raised almost $300 million with those plans our clients have anyway. With- oh, yeah, that's a, that's a big update, no doubt. Yeah, so... I need to, uh, that actually happened in the last month and it was one fell swoop, one deal that was about $87 million that, that is coming through. So that's pretty good. And, uh, we're working on some online stuff that we're going to be, uh, rolling out later in the year. So things are great over here. Wonderful. Wonderful. And then where am I reaching you today? I'm in Irvine, California, right across the street from John Wayne airport. Ah, okay. I spent uh, many days there in my travel days early in my software sales career. We had an office there in Irvine. Loved going out there, except for when you got uh, delayed, and I think they still have that curfew for the airport. Right? That's right. 7 a.m. in the morning and 10 o'clock at night, you can't fly any jets in and out because you take out take off over some of the most wealthy people in the world, and yes. so they want to time out. For, uh, it's the weirdest takeoff, right? Because you, you zoom right up and then they kind of level off and then they go again. It's a, weird it's, a it's a little unnerving. It's like a shuttle launch. It's full power and they go almost straight up and then they shut the engines off and coast to the coast of the ocean. And so wow. it's a little weird. Yeah. All right. Well, again, welcome to the show. We are going to, on this episode, talk about your transition from working corporate world to being your own boss. That's always of interest to our listeners. 
And then we'll dive into what you do now with your current business and helping people develop business plans. That's a very interesting topic to me. I, I work with a lot of uh, aspiring entrepreneurs, folks starting their business. And so the business plan is a common topic, of course. So I would love to get your input on that. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to that. So that's what we're going to focus on in this episode. But let's start, as I said, with your journey, your entrepreneurial journey. You started in the corporate world, correct? Yeah. I mean, after a, a starter career in petrochemical, I went into information technology and migrated through a series of different businesses until I was working for um, very large system in, uh, systems integrator. At the time, they were number three in the world, and I was traveling worldwide doing process engineering and also uh, outsourcing. And outsourcing was really amazing because I worked with so many different businesses across so many different industries. And the one thing that I learned about them is whether you're selling oil or cotton balls or candy or cars, there's a machine that is a business and you you got to figure out that machine and how it's going to run because the bigger you get, the less time you have to manage the individual pieces of it. You have to manage uh, more and more abstract pieces of it. So Businesses are machines and they're built up gear and wheel and, and chassis just like any other machine and and understanding how that machine is built is built is really critical. So all the time that I spent in corporate America was was invaluable to what I do now. The, so all of that, all that knowledge translated, you feel, and you're able to apply that to what you do now. Yeah, yeah. And the motivator for me to get out of it was um Ironically, it was employee reviews because I was a part of a distributor, a distributed team. So the team was based out of uh, Texas and I was in California. And even though I was being asked for by name in Boston and New York and Washington and uh, Philadelphia, when it came around to review time, I was always the low guy in the totem pole because I wasn't in the office with the boss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've got to do the thing on the curve. And so, you know, it's like, I never had a problem, was never threatened with my job. I just got kind of middling reviews and I got really tired of it. And so my wife, who never saw me because I was traveling all the time for about seven years, one day just told me to quit my job and I listened to her and here we are 12 years later. Mm -hmm. So that, that seems to me, it strikes me immediately when I heard that as one of the things I was challenged with, which is the politics of that work environment. And you were not there physically where so much of it was happening and that hurt you. Uh, is it that I get, do I get that right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, the proximity is everything. I mean, we, we live in this distributed, uh, Skype, uh, everybody's doing things from their home kind of world, but I'll tell you something, nothing beats being down the hall from the person who has control of your career. Because you can say hello to them, you can ask them about their kids, you can make small talk, you can ask questions, you're visible. And when you're just at the end of a of a teleconference line, you're just another voice and they don't really see you as a person. And it's unfortunate. And I think that's the problem with distributed teams is I think everybody has to be distributed if you're going to do a distributed team. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So everybody's on somewhat equal playing field. All right. So that began to trigger it before that you were content in the corporate world uh, did you have thoughts of uh, becoming your own boss before that i i gotta tell you i've really always kind of been a go your own way kind of person i wouldn't say that i was ever really content in the corporate world because one of the things that i learned the higher up i got into it is there's a bright line between the people who are actually working with the customer and doing the work for the customer and it's they're uh, they're doing a great job and then above that bright line is a, is senior management 
who's all about protecting their bonuses and their turf and their headcount and all that other stuff and really could care less about how the business is run and whether the customer is satisfied. And so when you see the CEO being uh, uh, grilled by a Senate committee and they say, I don't know what's happening, they're actually not lying. They really yeah. don't know what's happening. And so I found that immensely frustrating deal after deal where the client was the last person that we cared about. It was the partners and the VPs and their bonuses and their kingdoms that were the most important things, the most important thing you had to protect. And so I was happy to get out, frankly. Yeah, that disconnect is something that's extremely frustrating. All right. So so you're starting to get frustrated with reviews. You have a conversation with your wife and then walk me through how you go from that, I'm sure, well-paying and successful career to making the leap to going on your own. Or did you start it while you were still working? Tell me more about that process. Well, I did it exactly the way I tell people not to do it. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it's, it was a very emotional decision where I basically just said, I've had enough and how hard can it be? I can figure it out. And it took us about 10 months to get our first client. It, what our original business model was going to be was we were going to help people doing outsourcing. We were going to be the the guy that evaluated, I was going to be the guy that evaluated the proposal that came in and made sure that the outsourcing contractors were doing a good thing and the right thing. And the problem that I found out was my Rolodex was not deep enough because those deals get born on the golf course or on the back of somebody's boat or at somebody's bar mitzvah or whatever between people who have known each other a long time and to call in, even though I had contacts with CEOs, I wasn't quite cl close enough because outsourcing can be very, very damaging to companies if it's handled improperly or if it gets out too soon, key talent will leave, all kinds of different morale problems can happen. So it's really tough to get those get involved in those deals. So Basically, we couldn't start the business that we wanted to start. And somebody said to us, hey, do you know how to write a business plan? I'm like, a proposal is a business plan, really. And so I go, yeah, sure, I know how to do it. And, and we started out, and it was during the uh, boom times of uh, 04, 05, 06, when people were using home equity to start businesses. Banks were literally shoveling clients through our front door. It was insanely cool. And then uh, 2008 came, and it was uh, quite the shock. Our phone didn't ring for about six months. It was really crazy. So the, this is after you had transitioned to the business plan yeah, business or yeah. you were still doing consulting for outsourcing? No, no, no. We never, okay. we never got the consulting for outsourcing okay. thing started ever. Got it. And, and when you refer to we, who, who are we talking about? My wife and I have been in the business since the beginning and, and unlike most businesses where the spouse does, you know, the bookkeeping, that kind of stuff. My wife is an act, active partner in the business. She's an amazing uh, project manager and amazing, just amazing generally. So she's uh, equal with me in terms of her skills and capabilities. She's just much more shy about going on the radio. Understood. So did you both quit your job and start or did you have savings? Tell me a little bit more about how you made that transition. Well, she, she quit her, she was, uh, went to work for a food service, uh, company that you would know very well and worked for them for seven years. It was a six month temporary contract that lasted seven years. So at the end of seven years, when they finally moved up to Omaha and they offered her a job and she turned it down, she was off her contract. And so, of course, you know, being the only uh, breadwinner in the house, she turned to me and said, well, you should quit too. When we'll just both start this business. And we had savings. We had equity in our house. We had, we had enough money. The money wasn't the issue. The issue was we hadn't really figured out 
what we wanted to do. And that's why this business planning thing is such a big deal to me now, because we have stepped in every hole, tripped on every rock, fallen off every cliff and fallen into every fire you can, you can do to get to where we are now. And so I can tell you unequivocally, if you do not sit down and figure this out, you will, if you don't have enough money, you'll spend yourself right back into a job. Yeah. And so knowing what you know now, if you would have applied that planning process, then you would have avoided a heck of a lot of headaches, saved a lot of money, gotten there faster, I suspect. I think I'd be on the beach right now because I'll tell you what. <laughs> okay. yeah, no, because seriously, if if I understood now, then what I understand now, I would have planned it all out before I ever left my job and before my wife ever left her job. We would have actually started building up our client uh, base. We would have started figuring out how we were going to walk it out, what our marketing looked like. We would have figured all that out instead of, wow, isn't it great? We're together all the time. How wonderful is this? Yeah. So um, without getting too personal, how did you get through that tough period where you just weren't landing any clients and you had to pivot into business planning? Did you have enough savings to get you oh, yeah. through that time? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't a problem. And the thing that I would say to everybody, even if you know what you're doing, is have about six months worth of money in your pocket. More is better. But uh, have about six months of money in your pocket because it's probably going to take you that long, even with a business plan, to really find your feet. Yeah, that's, that's my rule of thumb as well. Uh, so before I segue into the business planning, since I, I didn't know that you were in business with your wife that, that, to that extent, tell me about that. What makes it work for you? I've been in business with my wife as well. For some people, it works. For others, it doesn't. What has been some of the keys to making that work between the two of you? Well, I will say that it's the same thing that will make any relationship work. The first thing is you've got to fight fair. And that is you cannot hold on. The single most important thing is you can't hold on to anything. If something bothers you, you need to say it right now, today, in this moment. Don't even wait till the next day. Say it now. And then once you had a discussion, even if you can't come to agreement, you have to say, okay, we agree to disagree and let it go. Because the number one thing I think that just trashes relationships between husbands and wives and significant others and business partners is resentment. People let resentment build up. And then when it finally comes out, it comes out in this giant explosion. And it's usually, you know, the old saw is about, oh, they squeeze the toothpaste in the middle versus squeezing the toothpaste in the bottom. That's not it at all. It's all this resentment that's built up that you haven't talked about. And it comes out in this explosion over something that isn't even what you're really upset about. And then finally you start saying things like, well, six months ago you did this and two years ago you did well, there's nothing. Well, we got a time machine. Can we go back? No, we can't. So we have to focus on what we've got. And if you don't let those, if you let those resentments build up, eventually a point of view, uh, uh, something that's on your mind becomes a point of view. And that's how you see the other person and you never let them out. And then you're really, then you're trapped. And so that's the number one thing. And the other thing is just remember that you're, they're your spouse and honor them and cherish them and love them and care for them as if they weren't working with you. And so if you can do those two things, everything else pretty much shakes out. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I know one of the things I faced early on was just you tend to beat up on, not physically, not literally, but figuratively on your loved ones more than on an employee. And I, I had to 
check myself and say, why am I treating my spouse that way? I would never treat an employee that way, right? So I had to really check myself early on when I started working with my wife. Yeah, that's a great, that's a really great one because I'll tell you why. Because your spouse, you, and my spouse is sitting right across the desk from me as I do this. My spouse, <laughs> your, your spouse, you go, well, you should understand the situation we're in. Why are you doing this? Why did you make this choice? Why aren't you going faster? These are things you would never say to an employee because right. they don't have the same insights. But at the same time, they're in their head with their stuff. And it's like, you know what? It's like you have to be almost even a little more understanding because you're not asking the, your employee to spend the rest of their life with you. Yeah, yeah understanding <laughs> and, and patient as well. Yeah. You know, the, the patience goes short sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So, excellent. Thanks for sharing that, uh, that, uh, that insight. All right, so let's get into business planning. I'd like you to give me your definition of what a business plan is and why it's necessary. Your business plan is your dress rehearsal for your success in business. And so if you don't figure out where your blocks are, what your cues are, and where your, what your lines are, the odds of you succeeding, you can improvise for a while, but not forever. And so... You need to have a pretty clear idea what destination you're aiming your car at so that you can drive the right highways to get there. And so the business plan, regardless of how you do it, and we'll talk a little more about this in a minute, but the business plan is how you make your first steps. Because if you don't figure it out, you're going to focus on the stuff that is the shiniest or squeaks the loudest. And those are typically not the things that do you in. Excellent. So I love how you put that dress rehearsal for success in business. That's a great way to put it. Tell me what you think are some of the key components of a good business plan. I really think if you focus on who your customer is, how you're going to reach them, how you're going to get inside their head so they see them buying your product, how the business is going to be structured and run, and your relationship and involvement in that. And then, of course, then penciling out the numbers to make sure that it's all going to work and not just support the business, but support your lifestyle on top of it. Then those are really the four things that I think you've got to focus on, regardless of how you do it. You've got to you've got to really think those things through, starting with the number one most most important thing is who's your customer? Who's going to buy from you? OK, that that gives me some pause for thought there. What The next question I was going to ask you is, can I just do a financial uh, projection or pro forma and be done with it? But you've kind of answered that question, but but elaborate on why that's not enough. Well, finance, well, see, first of all, until you figure out all those other things, the financials really, you can't do the financial. Because if I don't figure out who my customer is, I can't figure out how, how I'm going to market. If I can't figure out how I'm going to market, I can't figure out that expense. I mean, the temptation is I've got so many things that sell for $100. They cost me $50 to make. I've got this, and I'm going to plug some number for expenses. Hey, look, I'm making money. I should roll out there. But that's not necessarily the case. It's like until you really go out and do some research, for example, you're going to do social media marketing. Until you've done some research and gone out on Facebook and seen what Facebook ads are going to cost you or Instagram ads are going to cost you or say you're doing old media, you're on radio, how much a radio spot's going to cost you or spot in a magazine, that stuff stacks really fast and you've got to spend a lot of money in the beginning to get things rolling. It's like it's more money than people think. And I let me put it this way. The secret is the worst thing that ever happened to human the human race. Because people think if they just kind of wish on it and pray on it and hope and say affirmations, things are gonna work out. No, you gotta do the work too. And the work is really unglamorous and sometimes it reveals stuff that you don't even 
realize our problems. So just doing the Performa financials without grounding yourself in the operations and what the marketing is going to be, because those are all elements of the financials. And by the way, if you do those things, then when you do the financials, they're going to mean something to you other than, oh, gee, I checked that off the list because some business startup book told me I need to do this. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me make sure I caught that that point on the secret. Are you saying that uh, what we tend to do is just blindly move forward because we have faith or confidence or arrogance or whatever it might be, <laughs> and and we don't take the time to, to ask the hard questions and maybe get the answer we don't want? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, there? yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. There's a, just a whole world. In, uh, there's a whole. There's a whole um, almost industry, kind of like that are kind of bust, buttressed between. The secret, which is if I wish for it, it's all going to work out because I deserve it. And Shark Tank, where I can magically just pop up and say three words and 10 slides and get a big check. That's not how it works anywhere. So, yeah. yeah. But it appeals to that natural thing that we have of getting it done quickly, get rich quick, taking the easy path. We, we all have that in us. And I think that's why it appeals to us. It's the lottery. Okay. Good way to put it's it. It's the lottery. So you've mentioned some of the mistakes and issues, but the question I wanted to ask was, what what are some of the other common mistakes you see with the folks you work with in the startup planning process? What are things that people often miss or skip beyond what we've talked about? Well, I think the financial modeling is a big one. I think people Mm. don't really understand how to do it, and it's not really all that hard to do. We have videos all over YouTube about how to do it. I mean, seriously, you could not hire us. You can actually download our template and, and sit down, sit with these videos and figure out how to do it. Um, but they don't do it. They kind of do it on the back of the envelope kind of, of, of method and then don't really plug in enough reserve, don't really plug in enough for chance or risk. And again, it goes back to if I had to pick one thing that people do not do is decide, pick a customer, and go after that customer or pick three or four different customers, build profiles for them and go after those three or four different customers. They say, I can sell to everyone or anyone. And the truth is that approach will sell to no one. Yeah, that lack of focus, that that's a big one. I, I see that just generally in a business idea, just that lack of focusing so that you can get started on something, right? Yeah, exactly. So, all right. So the financial performance, do you uh, typically recommend what, what kind of projections? Three years, seven years? What, what do you think is ideal when I put together my financial performance? It's, it's uh, highly dependent on where you're raising money and it's highly dependent on the nature of the business. I was just did a business plan for an a- agricultural business. And because of the amount of time it takes for the first harvest, we actually had a 25-year projection. So. Wow. That I mean, that is some of the things that you can do. But for most brick-and-mortar businesses or home-based businesses, three years is more than enough. Five years is probably better, but three's going to be enough. You should be able to figure out where you're going to be in three years. And then I would do those by month, not by year. Because, because the thing about businesses is they have cycles. Like, for example, restaurants are busy Mother's Day, end of the year. The rest of the time, they kind of – then retail – what do they call it? Black Friday, because they're running in the red all the way till almost till Thanksgiving. And so every business has a cycle. And if you don't do your financials by month, you won't see where you need money. Because like, for example, in the restaurant world, you kind of have a slow, you kind of have a good New Year's, you kind of go slow and things are tough until you get to Mother's Day, you get this big giant 
cash infusion and then that's got to carry you all the way around to the end of the year until you kick back up again and so if you didn't do it by month you wouldn't see that and you would say okay well here's my annual revenue here's my annual cost of goods here's my annual expenses okay this is what i'm gonna make at the bottom line but if you don't plan for the fact that you need to have money in your back pocket around may and june and july you'll go out of business so you got to figure it out yeah that's that's a great tip and and i see that mistake made often i've made that mistake so that's what leads you to really see what your cash flow demand is going to be. Right. And like you said, as we both know, that's the number one thing that kills a business is that lack of cash. Yeah. But as we're putting that financial plan together, of course, we, we want to come up with that lowest number possible for a startup. And, and working capital often is what gets sliced out or not included at all. Which is insane because it's like saying, well, I've got enough money to buy this brand new car, but I can't afford the gas. So I can't leave the parking lot. I mean, that's it. I mean, the number, this is a, another big key. The number is what the number is. You can wish it it's something different or it's lower or, wow, this would be better in my grasp. If the number's too big, then you have to figure out how to make that meet that number. It means you save longer and start later or you borrow more money or you get another investor. But the number is what the number is. I cannot tell you. I've even seen banks loan less than the person needed and the bank knew they were loaning less than the person needed and they went out and crashed and burned and then everybody was shocked and shaken when it happened but the numbers were there in front of everybody the whole time the numbers unless you're lying the numbers don't lie okay so to that point how what is your advice for how we keep ourselves from lying to ourselves how do we validate those numbers besides the the market research but how do we get that input from others? I would recommend that you find somebody, a business owner that you uh, admire and respect and you think does well and ask them to review your stuff. Or you hire a professional consultant. You hire somebody like me to either help you develop your business plan or review your business plan. That's one of the things that we do. We review completed business plans and give feedback. Those are the, the two that I would recommend. You can go down to the next layer down score or uh, SBDC, which is SBA stuff. But the problem with SCORE and SBDC or uh, in SCORE, it's retired executives. So most of them have never started a business. So they really don't understand what's involved to starting a business. They can tell you how to run a department or run a budget. That's not, a, that's not starting a business. And the problem with SBDCs is most of them are employees and have never even run a budget. And they're giving you advice. So to me, my druthers is from where I sit, what I've seen is the most successful is find somebody in your life that is a successful business person and ask them if they'll mentor you. Yeah, Can, that's great yeah. advice. Um, I'm a SCORE mentor, by the way, and so you're, you're absolutely right about that SCORE uh, primarily and traditionally has been retired folks or even folks that never have started a business. That's starting to change in our chapter here in Dallas. We're starting to change that profile, um, and I'm an example of that. So that, that type of mentorship, whether it's SCORE, whether it's through your chamber, another business owner, or, of course, hiring a consultant like yourself, that I think that's so critical to get us out of that get us out of our head and out of some delusional thinking on the numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so there are people who argue that the traditional business plan is dead, that the lean canvas approach is better, that you just iterate, that you just, uh, you know, put out version one and then go from there. What are your thoughts on all of that and how that applies and what you've seen there? Well, I think it's a really um, trendy, nice 
hat answer to how you do things. I mean, let me give you an example out here in Irvine. The the largest um, angel ingress, uh, investment group is Tech Coast Angels. And Tech Coast Angels tells people coming in not to write business plans. They don't write them. Just do a 10-slide Kurosaki deck. Or my favorite, give me an executive summary, which is impossible to do if you haven't written something to summarize it, right. but that's another story. And so they tell people not to write business plans. And so I've talked to probably two dozen of the, these investors in, in Tech Coast Angels. And I go, well, why do you do that? And finally, one of them broke down and said, well, here's the, here's the real truth. We're tired of reading really crappy business plans. It just okay. don't like it. And so we just feel like we can get with them and we can work with them and get, to, get them to where they need to be. The problem that you've got with doing the startup canvas is it just, it's an outline. And so it, it, you, you're tend, it's like using PowerPoint to talk about engineering. You're going to just take little bullet points and plug them into these little boxes on the startup canvas. At the end of the day, it doesn't give you the, the detail. You've got to get down into the, de into the detail of the business. And everybody wants to try to manage this process from about 40,000 feet instead of being on the ground. I mean, think back to the really great entrepreneurs of, of our lives they're down in it. They understand not only the numbers, but they understand how the thing is built or the, how the thing is delivered or how the thing is made. A lot of them actually came up through the ranks to be able to do it. And so if you have that experience and it's in your bones, you can, you don't have to do a formal business plan to know how the business plan is going to run. But if you haven't done that, you have to do a business plan to to build that model in your head of here's what the business is, here's how it operates, and here's how I'm going to do it, here's how much money it's going to take. And a startup canvas just doesn't go deep enough. And understand what the startup canvas is really intended for. It's intended, it's intended for quick, rapid prototyping of is this idea worth going after, not am I building a business. So if I'm starting a restaurant, if I'm starting any kind of uh, brick-and-mortar business, if I'm starting anything that really it's basically not an app, I really need a business plan. Because the thing, the iterative thing, that comes out of my old world. That comes out of information technology. I want to test drive it before I, before I put a lot of resources against it. And so all of this agile stuff, which is really a manufacturing thing, was applied to IT, was allowed us to take get little snapshots of things and constantly iterate it. But even in the world that it's intended for, it's not working. You know how I can tell you that's true? Go to Google Play, go to the App Store, go to any category and look at the dozens and hundreds of applications that are all just like each other. And none of them are getting enough traction in the market. The people who are getting traction in the market, they're coming out with the same crappy app, but they're marketing the crap out of it. They're, they're marketing yeah. it everywhere. They're marketing it on television to get people to download it. So... The whole idea of, of, of um, a minimum viable product, startup canvas, all this stuff, it, it's a great idea. But the problem is, is when you have everybody practicing the same methodology, you end up with a bunch of mediocre, mediocre products that nobody wants. And that's the problem without, about not figuring it out. Yeah, that's that's great insight, and and like you said, I think it it's appropriate maybe for the certain types of products or at the right phase early on. But to your point, the thing I always come back to is let, let's talk about a brick and mortar. There is no uh, half planning or version point five of a brick and mortar. I got to get it right right off the bat to a big extent, right? Oh yeah. 
And, and so I, I, how do I do that if I haven't done the complete planning is my challenge back to people. Yeah, it, you, the, the yeah. truth is that you can't because that's right. There's no minimum viable product in a dry cleaners. There's, yeah. there's no minimum yeah. viable product in a restaurant, especially if you want to pick those of your listeners out there. The most difficult business to start is a restaurant because they can be popular for two years and all of a sudden just stop. And you don't even know why. Is it my menu? Was it my suppliers? My help? Whatever. You know, and so if you don't figure out what am I going to do if I have to make that that turn, what am I going to do? Because raconteurs, if you get to know them, they are the most creative. In fact, I would tell you, if you know somebody that owns several restaurants, go just sit and watch them work. They're They're the most flexible entrepreneurs on the face of the earth, people who do restaurants, especially multiples. Yeah, I hear you. I've been there. I own one still. Oh, God uh, bless you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, my, my first business venture back in 1991 was a pizza, a delivery pizza franchise here in the Dallas area. So not a full, so that's not full service, but, you know, some of the same elements. No, it has all um, the same elements, actually. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about ongoing business planning and how you work with people to take that business plan and then do that ongoing business plan planning that's so critical as well. What we do is work with them in terms of setting up KPIs. You know, what is what are the things that you're measuring? Because if you can't measure, you can't manage it. That's what Peter Drucker said. And it's it's absolutely true. I mean, there's but to me there's two elements of management. You can't just manage a business by managing numbers. You have to manage it manage it by being in it, walking around and seeing it and see what's going on. So you've got to have those two elements. And so the business plan is is really kind of essential in that what was it that you intended to do when you started and where did you end up? And do you want to re-correct re uh, to get to that original goal or do you want to continue on the path? And then what's the natural extension of that path? Where's the, where's the path going to take you? Because I think when you start and you pivot, you kind of stop thinking about the future because it's such a psychologically tough thing to do. So, you stop thinking about where the future is going to go. And one of the things where we're really valuable is once you've made that turn, or even if you're heading towards your goal and you're having difficulty getting there, we've seen so many businesses. We've worked with thousands of businesses and we've dealt with thousands and thousands of problems that it's probably pretty unlikely. We haven't seen what's affecting your situation and we can give you some guidance on how to get around that. That's great. And so let's continue on that point. You're, you're touching on a lot of what you offer. Give us more about what custom business planning and solutions, your business, what other services you offer? Well, we write business plans from the ground up for people. We do them for all kinds of different things. We just worked on a land deal. We worked on, uh, like I talked about, the uh, agricultural deal. But we do things that are going to the bank for SBA loans, you know, really basic brick and mortar, mortar businesses. Uh, we've done 12 apps in the last probably 14 months. Um, and apps are especially challenging because of uh, what they are and how they monetize. And so we work with those. So basically, we, we write business plans for uh going to the bank for commercial loans, for SBA loans. We write them for investors, and we also partner with uh, several private equity and JV firms, not JV, VC firms, to write their business plans for them when they're doing acquisitions. The other thing we do is once we've uh, written your plan, if you're going to the bank, we have relationships with about, in California, with about 40 different banks where we can get you uh, behind the velvet rope without you doing an application or filling out a fee and have the bank look at your 
executive summary and summary financials and give you give you an idea about you know um, whether you would be viable or not as a as a as a loan getting a loan from them. And we also have connections into the investment community through our, again, our venture capital and private equity partners where we can have you uh, uh, looked at and, and see the value, viability of your um, business that way. So um, basically, I would say writing business plans, helping you uh, seeking funding. I mean, we can't actually go out and pitch your idea because we're not registered with FINRA, but we can get you those introductions and then helping you solve business problems. You know, it's like we're not making as much money as we thought we'd make. Uh, things are not coming in as quickly as we thought they would, or we're making the money, but it doesn't seem it's not going all the way to the bottom line. What's going on? So that goes back to my outsourcing days when one of my major roles was to figure out whether we could make money by taking over this particular aspect of business. So we're really good at doing it. And Peter, you offer these services for very small businesses. It's accessible to them. We offer them for people who don't have businesses, people who are starting up. And we've we've had clients pretty much internationally, mostly in California, but all across the United States. I was just down in Dallas on a deal, actually. Excellent. And so, yeah, we offer it to... Uh, are, are probably 65% of our clients are small businesses. They're doing a million dollars or less. Excellent. So, uh, Peter, what do you think has been one of the keys to your success in business, your and your wife's success in business? Uh, not ever giving up. That's the number one key is you just never, never stop. You just keep looking for, because I'll tell you, that period from 2008 to about 2011 was pretty freaking terrible and we we went into training for example one of the largest contracts we ever got we did uh, change management training because outsourcing and installing new computer systems is a change event so we understand how to do that so we wrote a change program for a government agency and it basically carried us through the great recession thank goodness for that um, but uh, I think never given up and I think really being open to the environment and being able to hear what the environment's telling you about your situation and being and not kidding yourself and thinking oh it's going to pick up tomorrow or the phone's going to stop start ringing next week no you need to be proactive and out in front of really everything and and not and not just sit back and and wait for things to happen you've got to you got to make it happen that's wonderful when you were going through that down period after 2008, did you at some point think uh, you'd go back and get a job? <laughs> you'd strap the plane on? Yeah, I almost did. I came really <laughs> close to strapping the airplane back on. But, yeah. you know, the thing about it was what finally did it for me and made the decision for me was like, I mean, we really got trashed. It was, uh, it, we took some big hits during that time period. And I went, I went, you know, I've already been trashed to this degree how is this going to help me now? I'm going to be right back where I started. And I just went, no, I'm just, I just refused to do it. And, and it worked out, but it got really dark before it worked out. And I think that's the test every entrepreneur gets is everybody, you'll have some dark days. I mean, the thing about it though, if you persist through those dark days and you make it back out into the sunshine, you have a gift and an experience that is sealed in your memory that can never be taken from you it becomes a strength and that's why i think all entrepreneurs are are heroes and i salute them and I, and I love that we support them and i love that we're part of making them successful because to me 
somebody that's running a liquor store or a bodega, they're the real heroes in this country. It's not Elon Musk or or Richard Branson. It's the real hero. The real heroes are the guy that that runs the gas station down the corner because they're the ones that have the limited resources and have to be creative and have to think and make a turn on a dime to keep going. And they're the ones that keep this country running, in my opinion. Yeah, eloquently said. Could not agree with you more. That's that. In fact, was one of the inspirations for us to start this podcast. Is we read about all of those people, and it's great. I mean, Richard Branson's one of my uh, business heroes, but it's so hard for us to translate that to the reality of what we deal with yeah. as small business owners on a daily basis. Yeah. All right, let's start to wrap this up. Great stuff. Could go on for a couple hours, but we got to wrap it up. Uh, question I always ask folks, is there a recent book or a resource that uh, you've come across or read recently that you would recommend? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm rereading it now, the latest edition of it, and I think everybody should go out and get it. It's a book that's been around forever, but it's constantly updated called Guerrilla Marketing by J. Conrad Levinson. And it's an amazing book of tips and tricks where any business can can get all kinds of exposure and visibility by just following what's in there. And it's been updated to take advantage of what's going on in social media and stuff. So it's really good. Yeah, I love that book. Uh, there's a version of it that's kind of a synopsis of it called, uh, I think, uh, Guerrilla Marketing Revisited. Jay passed, uh, I don't know, the last couple of years or so. But I, I agree that that's a classic. And so we'll have that recommendation on the show notes page. And for our listeners, you can find that at thehowofbusiness.com. Uh, so thank you for that recommendation. Jay, any last uh, parting thoughts or recommendation to our listeners? Our listeners, again, are folks that are looking to make that transition from the corporate world to becoming their own boss or small business owners like us that are always looking for advice and tips on how to grow their business. Well, I'll tell you what. I, the first thing is don't let fear stop you from doing what it is you think you love or you think you want to do. Make sure that you, you know, screw your courage to the post and do it because the things you do today become your future and, and get, get help, get, um, get input from people you trust and people, you know, and find people that, are successful in the businesses you want to be in and learn from them. I'll tell you something. People go, oh, I can't go talk to that guy. He'll never talk to me. Business ownership, when you become a business owner, you kind of become a different person. And the only people you can really talk to are other other business owners. And so you'd be surprised about your competitor will probably sit down and buy you a beer and talk to you about what's going on. I mean, I know I do. I talk to mine. And so Find the people who you think can help you, who you think that can be valuable to, who you can be valuable to, too, as well, so you can help them back and get in touch with them and build your network because that's what's going to really help you make it. Yeah, I love that advice, and I agree completely. I think that us as, as business owners, what you find is people love to talk about what they're doing. I know I'm I'm passionate about business, so if someone engages me honestly and earnestly, and 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 and, and in respecting my schedule and time, I you know I'll talk all day long. So I think that's a great point. exactly. So where can our listeners find out more about you and uh, custom business plannings and solutions online? Where should they go? Uh, where they need to go is to www custom BPS Boy Paul Sam. So the word custom Boy Paul Sam.com is our website. If you take that uh, custom BPS and you put P me hit P M E H I T at custom BPS, 
I will answer any of your questions through email, and I'll be happy to talk to any of your listeners. And also, if they email me, I will send them a free e-copy of my book, Killer Business Plan. Ah, fantastic offer. And so, folks, if you didn't get all that, uh, you're listening at the gym like I usually do, we will have all of those links and information on the show notes page again at thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for that. Thanks for that offer. No problem. All right. So thank you, Peter, for taking this time with us. Tremendously valuable information, great insights, a great offer to follow up on. Thanks for being with us today. Fabulous. Thank you for having me on, Henry. It was wonderful. Thanks. So folks, thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we'd uh, welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.